Amen. Oh, how he loves you and me. And, you know, there was, that was shown on a hill called Mount Calvary. Amen. Amen. After he went through the beating and the pain and the sorrow and all that he went through just to prove his love for you, just to prove his love for me, just to prove his love for all mankind. You have your Bibles open to the book of Luke chapter 22. I want to take a look and see what this day is all about. See what this is all about when we observe the Lord's Supper. What, what is what we're going to be doing here in just a few minutes? What it, does it really mean? What does it really signify? What is it really all about? In Luke chapter 22, verse 14 through 29... Here's what the Word of God has to say. Jesus speaking to his disciples as they were meeting together in that upper room just before his arrest, just before his mock trial, just before his beating, just before his crucifixion. As Jesus was meeting with his disciples, here's what he says in verse 14, and when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles were with him. And he said unto them, with desire I have uh, to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God shall come. What Jesus was making a promise to his disciples on that day was, and what that promise means for you and I again, is that one day Jesus is coming back, and he's going to set up his earthly kingdom. And when he does, then we will drink with him again. He says, I'm not going to do this again until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among yourself, for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said unto them, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then in verse 20 he says, Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This is the cup of the New Testament of my blood which is shed for you. You know, at the Last Supper, Jesus shared a meal with his disciples, and then he led them into the ancient observance of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which is what is called Passover. What many don't understand is that night in the upper room, there was two meals. There was the Lord's Supper in which all 12 of the disciples were there. But then the Passover meal came after that. You see, Thomas, uh, not Thomas, but Judas he was at the Lord's Supper, or the, the supper itself, but he wasn't at the Passover meal. It was between the Passover meal and the supper that they observed that Judas left the building. He left the building to go turn Jesus in. So the Passover meal was just for those faithful disciples of his. And folks, even today, the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper that we're going to partake, is for the people of God. That's why Judas had to leave the building. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But after the, 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 the meal, the evening meal, then the Feast of the Unleavened Bread or the Passover Jesus had with his disciples. 
Jesus used this opportunity to plant an important memory in the mind of his disciples in the upper room that day, and Jesus shared this meal for both their benefit and for our benefit even today. You see, as Jesus raised the bread and as Jesus raised the cup, as we'll do here in just a few moments, in Thanksgiving he added a new significance to an old ritual. You see, Luke 22 records that Jesus told his disciples, when you observe this Passover meal, when you observe this from now on, do it in remembrance of me. What was Jesus talking about? He said, remember the things that are about to take place. And when you have this Passover meal, when we partake of this Lord's Supper, he said, do it remembering all that I have done for you. That's why we commit the entire service to to, to, to the Lord's Supper. We don't just tag it on to the end of a regular service. We want to remember everything we do, the songs and, and, and the word, and, and when we share the cup and we share the bread, we want it all to be focused on Jesus in order that we will remember what he did for us. I think many times we lose the significance of what took place on Mount Calvary that day because we do not really just, you know, focus on that and let it come come back to our mind and, and recall what Jesus went through all because of his love for us. No longer would observing the Passover only be to remember what took place in Egypt when God miraculously saved the people who put the blood post over their doors. You remember that story? It was the plague of the firstborn, you know, that that God used to free Egypt from the bondage of Pharaoh. And uh, God told them, look, you, you sacrifice a lamb, you kill a lamb, and you take and you place that blood over the doorpost of your home. And when the death angel moves through to kill the firstborn of the land, lamb, when he sees the blood, he will pass. He will pass over that home. The firstborn in that home will be saved. Why? As a result of the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of that home. You see, now it would have a new significance, though. Jesus took that old symbol and he filled it with new meaning. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in the command to remember him as often as you do this. And today's disciples, as his disciples, we observe the blood over the doorpost of our hearts. You see, once we're saved, we're in essence signifying, you know, that we have placed the blood of Jesus Christ, or should we say God has placed the blood of Jesus Christ, over the doorposts of our hearts. Therefore, we are saved by the blood, by the blood of the Lamb. Let's just take a moment to look at the historical significance of this. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is a historical background of the establishment of the Lord's Supper. And again, in Exodus chapter 12, it presents that final chapter in God's miraculous uh, rescue of His people Egypt, I mean His people Israel from Egypt on this plague of the firstborn. Again, as that angel passed through, the blood over the doorpost would signify that that is a person of God, that is a child of God. The lamb and the meal of the unleavened bread becoming an abiding symbol uh, to Israel of the deliverance by God. You see, as Jesus' disciples watched Jesus and listened to his words on this Passover, they would have understood the historical significance of his actions. 
You know, what they did not fully understand until after the crucifixion, until after the resurrection, was the transformation of what had been a Jewish feast of remembrance into a new symbol, that new symbol being remembering the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He now, being the sacrificial lamb, whose blood, again, would be applied to the doorpost of our lives. You see, when you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, spiritually, that's what happens. You're washed in the blood. We sing the song, washed in the blood. Folks, that's what it's all about. The blood of Jesus Christ now covers the doorpost of our heart, signifying we are a child of God. The same God who acted in history to deliver his people Israel from physical bondage, when he sees the blood, folks, we're rescued from spiritual bondage. Look, the elements used in the Lord's Supper are not the real body and the blood of Jesus Christ, as some would say, but they're powerful symbols that cause us to remember that Jesus really did suffer and die that Jesus really did die in a historical place at a historical time. What Jesus did simply uh, 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 centuries ago impacts my life today. What Jesus did centuries ago impacts your life today and also our eternity as well. Because when that death angel passes through, folks, if the blood of Jesus Christ is not on the heart, the doorpost of your heart. You won't go to be with God. You'll spend eternity in a devil's hell. Now, the redemptive significance of this, you see, it's important to remember that the Lord's Supper has redemptive significance. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching, you remember the story as he was baptizing, you know, in, in the River Jordan that day, and he looked and he looked up and he seen Jesus Christ walking toward him. His response was, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What did John mean when he said, Behold the Lamb? Folks, he's talking about the lamb who would shed his blood for us to place over the doorpost of our hearts in order that we could be rescued from spiritual bondage. He takes away, he said, the sin of the world. John clearly established the reason for Jesus coming to this earth. The coming of Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover lamb that for years Israel in Exodus 12, the lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family. One family. Only the family who was behind that door. But at the cross, the true lamb of God was sacrificed to deliver the whole world from spiritual bondage. The Passover lamb in Exodus 12 served as a substitute for the firstborn of Israel. Jesus was the substitute for all the world. Without the death of a lamb in Exodus 12 the spread, and the spreading of the blood over the doorpost, the children of Israel would have experienced the judgment of God. And without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, folks, in his substitutionary death, we would have no hope of salvation. You see, people have many ideas about who Jesus is and why he came to the earth. But Jesus said himself, the reason that I come, 
The reason that I go through the suffering, the reason that I go through the beating, the reason that I go through the crucifixion, the reason that I am resurrected again in order that you can be saved. Listen, if we try any other way to gain favor with God, the end result will be an eternity in hell. No matter how good of a neighbor we are, no matter how good of a person we are, uh, when I dropped Jeremy off at work this morning at McDonald's, I, I was behind the guy, and, you know, and uh, you know, when I got to the window to pay, the lady said, that man done paid for your meal. Well, you know, that was a good person in that car, and I waved at him, okay? But you know what? He could have bought everybody in Lufkin's meal, and that wouldn't have got him to heaven. No matter how good of a person he was, it wouldn't get him there. Folks, Jesus said, I have come in order that you may be saved. And when that death angel comes, folks, listen, he's looking for the doorpost. And rather the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to the, blood, uh, the doorpost of your heart or not. And again, you can be the best person in the world, but if you do not have the blood of Jesus Christ over the doorpost of your heart, and I hope you understand that's a figment of speech, then there is no hope. There is no hope. When we gather around the Lord's table for the bread and the wine, again, it signifies to us his sacrifice, his substitution, and our salvation. You see, we... We celebrate the redemption and remembrance of him. The Lord's Supper presents a powerful message of the gospel. That's what it's all about. The broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel. What a perfect time to give people an opportunity to receive salvation that was purchased on the cross. You see, those who respond will... Remember that the symbol of the Lord's Supper is what will gain them salvation. Now, what's the personal significance here for you and I? We must also remember that the Lord's Supper has a personal significance. You see, in Luke 22, 19 and 20, Jesus' words record, This is my body given for you. And the cup is the new covenant of my blood. No longer would lambs have to be slain for your salvation. Jesus said this is a one time for all event. My blood will last through eternity. My blood will bring about salvation. What a perfect time to give people an opportunity to receive salvation. You see, those who respond will remember that the symbol of the Lord's table spoken of here is what will bring you salvation. We must all remember the Lord's Supper. Look, Jesus personalizes his statement by using the pronoun you. Look, Jesus told his disciples when you look there, you know, that he was going to suffer for them and he was going to die for them. And true, Jesus would die for everyone, you know, for the sins of the world. But for his disciples, what they heard is, I am dying for you. Jesus said he personified it. I'm dying for you. Can I tell you something this morning? The great thing about that is you are included in the you. 
So it wasn't just for his disciples. I was included in you. You was included in the you. The entire world was included in that one pronoun, you. So when we observe the Lord's Supper for in just a moment, that body that was broken when we partake of that bread was for you. The blood that was shed was for you. And what does Jesus mean by that? It was in your place. It was in your stead. He done it for you. In 1 Corinthians 11, we'll look at here in just a few moments, you know, Paul gives instruction concerning the Lord's Supper. In doing so, he reminds the Corinthian uh, church of two things. First of all, their personal salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. And the second thing is that the participation in the Lord's Supper carries inward and outward aspects. And I'll talk about this in just a moment. But first of all, inwardly, participants are to examine themselves spiritually before taking to the Lord's Supper. Are you spiritually ready to partake of the Lord's Supper? Or are there some habitual sins? Are there, you know, some uh, uh, sins that, you know, you're comfortable in? Are there some sins you haven't asked forgiveness from? In other words, before we get into the actual Lord's Supper, we need to inwardly take an examination of ourselves and see if there's anything that would be hindering us from going any further. And then also outwardly, participants proclaim through the Lord's Supper his death until he comes. And the same is true for us this morning. Observing the Lord's Supper carries personal significance because Jesus calls us to remember that what he went through was for you, personally. It also carries a personal responsibility you know, for us to participate with reverence and humility and sincerity, understanding and proclaiming Christ's great act of love. And Paul said that our observance of the Lord's Supper is to be done to help us remember all that Christ did for us. Again, that's why we commit the entire service to this event, so that we can focus on and remember all that Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you at this time, and we just ask that you would search our hearts, that your spirit would just move in and out these aisles right now, and if there's any of us here this morning that has anything within our life that would hinder us from being able to take this Lord's Supper, that right now we'd lay it before you. Right now we would lay any unconfessed sin that is in our life, we would confess it to you at this time. That we want to cleanse our hearts in order to allow your spirit heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask them to sing this song. Give us clean hands and I want this to be your prayer. The altar's open if you just need to come. Maybe lay some things down before the Lord. But as they sing this song, you just allow the Spirit of God to point out anything.
in your life. We bow may hinder you from going any further in this service. We bend our knees, oh Spirit.